<laughs> I just love this song. special song it'll help you toke the glory bong and remove everything that's wrong just get blasted
blasted on the glory every day and there's always a greater blast of where that came from we thank you heavenly father for teaching everyone at the sound of my voice how to drink the living water drink the blood drink the oil and rise on wings as eagles and soar in the heights of heaven over the dust of the earth which means over the serpent in the garden when you're over the dust, which is sin, you're over the snakes. That's how we get above the snake line, by the divine wine, and our faces doth shine. Hallelujah. Might get into the King James Version tonight. Thee before thou, except after thine. Have a good time in the new one. Shabbat. <laughs> mm. Until your life just becomes a fluffy cloud of glory. We're well on our way to fluffiness. That's right. You know, on that fluffy cloud is seated the King of Glory, and the King of Glory is Lord of the Harvest. Revelation 14, 14, I saw one looking like the Son of Man, 
seated on the cloud, holding a sharp sickle, wearing a gold crown. This gold crown is your mind controlled by the Holy Spirit, doing the works of the Spirit. And as you do the works of the Spirit, controlled by the Holy Ghost, your crown goes from glory to glory. By the measurement of glory in your crown, you can do the works of Christ. If your mind is controlled by the Holy Ghost, you're at peace with God. But if your brain and your mind and whatever thing is seated on your head is not under the dominion and control of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says those ones not wearing the gold crown today are at strife towards Jesus Christ. There's a lot of Christians, you'd be surprised, who are at strife towards the Lord they claim to worship. Now, it's always astonishing what you deal with down here on the earth. That's why we got to go higher. Our prophetic father said, everything you go through down here is to get you higher in the heavens. That's why persecution is so good for you. It forces you through the pain and suffering of being mistreated and slandered and gossiped about constantly <laughs> to go higher so they can't hurt you. Amen. So tonight we want to take heavenly flight in the heavenly Father's light into His sight. The Bible says, In your light we see light. What's the key division in the Sierra 19 that all of us need to purchase to see the sapphire stones to walk in our celestial exodus i heard a voice in heaven that said stay down below with the snakes that's revelation 4 1 in the antichrist translation yeah you're good just down in the earth you don't need to come up here just stay down there with your own eye salve and your own clothing and your own riches <laughs> don't need anything from God in heaven you're good in your humanity that's what the enemy wants to convince you of that you're good down in the earth just be a good earthling and add Christianity to your earthliness and you'll be okay with God that's not at all true sanctification is for elevation Glory to glory through the purification of the Word of God received into your heart. Step one of farming the Word is receiving the Word as seed. How often? The Bible says every day. I was studying Torah this week and I read about how the priests would keep 12 loaves of bread on the golden table. They called it the bread of His presence. <laughs> 12 the number of government <clears throat> it was like governmental bread so that the government would be in the food that you eat from God the Father in heaven and every Sabbath the priest's job was to get rid of the old bread and put fresh steaming hot loaves 12 <clears throat> in a row of two right on the golden table in the temple. Isn't that wonderful? It's a covenant of eating the bread of His presence and God makes it new every seven days. 
Every rotation of the sun, every dawn, every morning, his mercies are brand new to feed you himself. I am the bread that's come down from heaven, Jesus Christ proclaimed. What are we to do? Eat his word. Drink his wine. Wine and dine on his word and spirit 24-7, 365 until we're ministers of the bread of his presence with every word from the fruit of our lips. And people just come, and it's like Job 29, they can just open their mouths and receive the dew of heaven. My words are like light rain upon the tender mown grass. And people open their mouths to receive my words from heaven. When I sat at the gate called beautiful, the gate of the judgment of God's word, which makes us beautiful from eating His holy word every single day, every single night. We're transformed by the food we eat. It's eaten from a table of gold representing directly from the kingdom of God. (laughs) Now, this bread comes down for all to feast upon. And you can eat as much as you want every day. Blessed are they who hunger for the bread of righteousness. God was speaking to me today, preparing for tonight, about an inexhaustible fountain of righteousness. That the Spirit and the Bride say, Come and drink all who are thirsty for purity. All who are thirsty for divinity. Who are sick and tired of their human nature, of earthly problems. Now you're going to have divine solutions for earthly problems. When you eat the bread of God, God is formed by the very bread that you eat from Him every day. The more you eat, the more God materializes Himself through His Word inside your bodies until you realize the glory that, gee whiz, I'm not alone in this temple. It's the temple of God the Father's throne and all of His glory is emanating from his throne in me so that my heart manifests the Father's uncreated light. My face and my soul and my mind and my thoughts, my senses fully exercised, my reasoning controlled by the throne of God, manifesting all the Father's uncreated light. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, He was with God, in the beginning, fully God Himself. Jesus Christ, the Word, Jesus Christ, the twelve loaves of the bread of His presence. Now listen to this. The more you eat, the more you'll share in His kingship. Since it's a golden table, and it's the number twelve of the apostle in the government, you'll govern to the measure you feast on Him. You might not even be an elected official. You might not even be recognized in the body of Christ. But if you're eating the showbread of His presence, eating the daily bread, Father, give them daily bread. So now the bread is no longer in the earth like the Old Testament. Now the Old Testament is strictly for wisdom. And there's so much wisdom in there, we've barely tapped the surface of Old Testament wisdom in Christianity yet. And that's the truth anyhow. We're going to become like the Magi of the East, the wise men. Amen. We're going to become in not just following the stars, completely possessed with them, called celestial garments. Celestial garments is the evidence in Paul's doctrine 
of a wise man or a magi from the east. East means sun. One in whom the sun of righteousness has risen with healing in his beams. So it's Holy Spirit sunshine constantly, almost like there's no more night at all because it's so bright in your vessel. I'll tell you the truth from experience. Nighttime is often brighter for me personally in this temple than daytime. And I'm not even so sure why. It's just I have this realm in God where the evenings, like the evening star or something. It's a really deep, intimate fellowship that I have with God the Father as God the Father is just a blazing sun in me during the night and just fellowshipping with Him in the late hours, really around 10 p.m. to 4 a.m., oftentimes just in the deepest intimacy with my Father's light in me where it's like midday inside the temple. So it really doesn't matter that much what's going on around you. It matters that what's going on around you, you're taking dominion over by God the Father being formed inside you. And the more you know Him inside you, the more confident you are in His ability, which is angelic in nature, and it will come forth through your hearts and minds effortlessly as the Father is formed in you by eating the bread of His presence. Should we study the bread? What does the Bible say about bread? Thank you, Jesus. Just seeing those uh, wonderful loaves of bread. Amen. Should we go into the New Testament? (laughs) all right this is good Matthew 4 3 but he was also curiously stronger when the tempter came to Jesus devil if you are the son of God tell these stones to become bread so the devil's got bread too y'all he'll come with some bread of deceit the bread of temptation so not all bread is from God test the bread a little yeast leavens the whole lump. He doesn't want you eating anything except what came from within himself. All right. Jesus replied to the devil, It is written, man does not live by bread alone. Rather, he lives on every word. So the bread that Satan was tempting him with was hunger, physical bread, natural realm food. And Jesus said, Man does not live on food alone, but on real bread, which is the word that comes from the mouth of the Eternal One. Matthew 6.11 Give us each day that day's bread, no more, no less. All the provision and sustenance for the perfect will of God the Father to be done in your lives is in the daily provision of the bread from your Father in heaven. Amen? <laughs> Matthew 7, 9. Think of it this way. If your son asked you for bread, you would give him a stone. Would you give him a stone? Of course not. You would give him a loaf of bread. Matthew 12, 4. They went into God's house and they ate the holy bread. Even though neither David nor his friends, but only priests, were allowed that bread. This is another mystery. 
the bread is for the priesthood nature of God to be formed in you. Notice, no one can minister God unless they're eating the bread. And the bread was for priests only. So it's the bread of the presence of the priesthood of the New Testament. Matthew 13, 33. And Jesus told a fourth parable. Jesus said, Imagine a woman preparing a loaf of bread. The kingdom of heaven is like the leaven she folds into her dough. She kneads and kneads until the leaven is worked into all the dough. So, think about this. If the bread represents the food of God, and the woman, I can see right now, is the church, as you grow in your daily eating of God's word and then doing that word by the energy in it, because what is the purpose of food in the natural? To energize you. So now you're learning to eat for your spirit and to be fully energized in your spirit. So the bride is taking all of the food she's eating and making bread from it. And the bread she makes will be the priestly bride, the ministry of the bride of Christ. Amen? Jesus. Matthew 14, 18, Jesus said, Bring me the bread. <laughs> Bring the bread and the fish to me. So the disciples brought him five rounds of flat bread and two fish. Those who eat will be brought to Jesus. Bring me, Jesus Christ said, Bring me the bread. Amen. Matthew 14, 19. And Jesus told the people to sit down on the grass. He took the bread and the fish. He looked up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke the bread. Jesus gave the bread to the disciples and the disciples gave the bread to the people. We see it as natural food, but Jesus was irritated that they be instantly became dependent on natural food. It symbolizes a people that can multiply the word of God when they're eating their daily bread. What does it mean to break the loaves? It's my body broken for you. Each one of you can give bread through, what does it mean, the breaking of your body? Not going after carnality. The breaking of bread, this is the bread and the blood of the new covenant in my flesh. Okay, The bread is my body, Jesus Christ explained. Now you are his body now. The breaking of the bread is you not going after the things of the flesh, but ministering the bread of his presence into people's hearts, doing the will of your Father in heaven. Then Jesus Christ says, you can bring me the bread. Those who've broken bread with me will be brought to him because they're ministering his word. Matthew 14, 20. Everyone ate and was satisfied. When everyone had eaten, the disciples picked up how many? Twelve baskets of crusts and broken pieces of bread and crumbs. Twelve. The exact number of loaves that the priests kept on the table of gold in the Old Covenant. What is he now saying? I am that ministry. 
I am the ministry of the bread of the old covenant now physically here feeding you face to face with God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Matthew 15, 26, Jesus, it is not right to waste the children's bread by feeding dogs. The bread is precious. Don't feed immoral flesh, demonic, or the demonic realm, what is for the children of God alone. Which means there is to be no wastefulness for the devil to steal. Glory. Matthew 16, 7. The disciples were not quite sure what Jesus meant. So they discussed his warning among themselves. He must mean not to buy any bread from a baker who associates with the Pharisees or Sadducees. He must have given us this warning because we showed up here without any bread. All right. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Jesus, overhearing them, why are you focusing on bread? That's what some of you might be asking yourselves right now. Bread's a big deal in the Bible, man. Don't you see yet? Don't you understand? You have eyes. Why don't you see? You have ears. Why don't you hear? Are you so hard-hearted? Don't you remember when I broke the five rounds of flatbread among the 5,000? Tell me, how many baskets of scraps were left over? Disciples, 12. The government of the bread of his presence. Think about it. Same 12 is the same number as the gates to heaven. So, simply understanding biblical wisdom, the 12 loaves of bread... It's the same number of from eating that opens up the 12 gates into heavenly Jerusalem. The seer anointing of seeing those gates into God and beginning to rise through vision. You know, you can only rise from the dead through spiritual vision. I counsel for you to buy salves to see because in Revelation 3, if you don't purchase the salve, you can never in a million years obey Revelation 4. You need Revelation 3 in order to obey the commandment of God in Revelation 4. Okay? So the bread is 12. 12 in the Old Testament, 12 in the New Testament. And what is the 12? It is the gates of the heavenly realm. So the mystery is in eating God's bread, eating God's word, is what opens your eyes by feeding your spirit to see into heaven. The more you eat, the more your vision clears. If you're not eating, you'll never understand. What does he say? Ever seeing, but never perceiving. Why? Because they did not digest the bread into their spirit. Their spirit was famished, so they had no ability to go into heaven. God wants all his kids to experience heaven through their senses. But it's only possible 
through the bread he provides daily. And 12 is also the number of the apostolic, meaning that you will have good apostles feeding you good bread to open your eyes and to see and go into heaven and experience it with all your senses glorified. Amen. Jesus. Mark 14, 22. As they ate, Jesus took bread, offered a blessing, and broke it. He handed the pieces to his disciples. Take this and eat it. This is my body. Amen. Luke 6, 4. Don't you remember how he went into the house of God and took the sacred bread of the presence, which you may recall only the priests were lawfully permitted to eat. Remember that he not only ate it, but he also gave it to his companions. Luke 9.3 These were Jesus' instructions. Travel light on your journey. Don't take a staff, a backpack, bread, money, or even an extra change of clothes. When you enter a house, stay there until you leave that city. If a town rejects you, shake the dust from your feet as you leave as a witness against them. Which means you can't store up old bread. It has to be eaten daily into your spirit. And then your spirit gets what? The presence from the bread of his presence. That's how you get richer and richer in the glory is through the daily provision. Now, what people do when they're in religion is store up the words through just memorization in their soul and their flesh, but it never mixed with their spirit to manifest the presence, which means they have zero wisdom. Absolutely zero wisdom, zero presence working in them. The presence comes from when the bread is digested in your spirit. So when you eat, understand it's for your spiritual stomach. Oftentimes, people will try to eat the bread of God and want a quick fix in the flesh, like fix something real quickly, like microwave bread or something. Like let this bread just in entirely transform my situation, but it just goes into the flesh. It's wasted, guys. It's wasted. That's not how you eat. You'll never have any good fruit when the bread is just going to your bread and your brain for selfish purposes. The bread has to go into your spirit to strengthen your spirit with the might of his word. And if you understand it's digested in your spirit, you don't waste the daily bread. Every believer on earth is given daily bread. Why? Because Jesus prayed for you to have daily bread. That prayer is answered. You have it. The issue is most Christians are not disciplined to put the bread into their spirit to grow in the presence. They need something else, like God's word's not enough for them. By not believing in the word, they malnourish their spirit even though the bread is fully provided from God. So what happens? Discouragement, unbelief, carnality. They get into witchcraft. They get into sorcery, which is strange fire. 
practicing their own energy, practicing the religion of the devil, when the word is not digested into your spirit, you automatically go into the religion of the devil. You know that? Satan's got a form of charismatic Christianity down here that's more perfect than most charismatic Christians and their churches. I don't think people realize that yet, but it's the truth anyhow. How do you prevent yourself from going apostate into a charismatic antichrist? For Satan comes in the guise of a perfect Christian, 1 John says. He'll have all kinds of food, but it'll do nothing for your spirit. It'll darken your spirit and put false light into your brain. It'll actually start to accumulate the praises of men and not the praises that come down from God. It'll turn you into people pleasers. Real quick, turns you into hirelings, gets you into all kinds of idolatry, bondage. At first, it looks exactly like the supernatural. At first, it looks exactly like the river of life, and people think they're with Elijah, but they're with Satan. You see it all the time. People are so mixed up and confused in the prophetic, it's like a a freak show. It's more like a circus oftentimes, because of a lack of understanding one simple principle from the Gospels. The bread of his presence, which needs to be those 12 loaves, so you're governed by the word. Your spirit is so rock solid by being governed by the word of God, and your spirit is constantly learning how to eat out of God's hand. The bread comes from God's own hand towards your hearts every day. So, just like a baby, they have to learn to eat solid food. True. A baby, they'll like milk and they'll like, uh, you know, that's all they do is just drink constantly and they're always hungry and they'll cry until they get food. But God changes your diet as you grow. He wants you on the more apostolic number 12 loaves. He wants to open your eyes to start to see the gates of Zion, the gates of heaven, the angels. Start to see more clearly in the Holy Spirit. What's the Spirit seeing today? What's the Spirit feeling right now? And when you begin to eat the bread of His presence, the presence is what removes the selfishness of the person. A person that's not eating their daily bread is always self-focused. They can't even think hardly about others unless it's through animal instinct like Romans 1 says. So even through animal instincts, we can think about natural biological things. That's not divinity. Divinity is putting away the animal flesh, putting away the animal mind, putting away the animal hand, and allowing the bread of his presence to manifest the person Christ right through your bodies. And now the person Christ is the hardest worker of all time. He's going to start doing just some wild stuff through you. If you feed your spirit the bread of heaven, Jesus will manifest himself right through that bread. That's why it's called presence. Whose presence? The presence of Jesus Christ. And the presence of Jesus Christ can get so strong in your hearts that it consumes your mind until you're in constant union through eating. That, my friends, is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Notice it's marriage. How do you think they got married? By eating His bread, they learned how to feast on His presence. They digested it into their spirit, so therefore they can tell others, come and eat. Go out and invite others 
into the banquet feast, it is written. Go and invite them how to eat God and digest the only God into their hearts. A lot of people won't eat it because you know why? They love themselves. When you eat God, God consumes you. When you eat the bread, the bread consumes you. You're different afterwards. For those that don't truly love him, this is the worst nightmare. This is a guaranteed removal of self-consciousness. But if your Christianity is based on self, this is arch enemy to many selfish, false believers all over the place. I mean, you got to be into God to eat God because God gets formed in you through feasting. The people that came into the marriage feast wearing the wrong clothes had never digested the bread of heaven into their spirit, which means they had another purpose for the Bible. It was like to just look good in front of others, to just have an external discipline. It was all humanism. They were humanistic Christians. That's exactly what it means. Where is your wedding clothing? Where's the evidence that the bread has been digested into his manifest presence through your spirit? I preach to awaken spirits until Christ be fully formed in your spirit in full spiritual stature. The very function of feeding people in the body of Christ is to get their spirit in the exact likeness through their own spirit sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself. I mean, you are his body. When will we look like it? When will we talk like it? When will we shine in that brightness? When would we will he dwell in his full glory? When we eat the word and fully digest it into our spirit and allow our spirit to transform our souls. You can eat it into your spirit and your soul will be like, no, I'm not changing. You'll find stubbornness in your soul you didn't even know existed. We all deal with it. To be fallen is to be in all the fallen angel's pride. The bread of his presence removes the fallen angel's pride through every person's soul who loves Jesus more than themselves. So those who eat a little bit, why do they only have a small hunger for righteousness? Because they're satisfied mostly on self-righteousness and this is what you deal with with most believers who've gone after knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but the Spirit builds up, Scripture says. Christians that are like Greeks that go after knowledge, which is totally apostate from the presence of His bread. That they use the Word for a function that is not from God's heart. They use the Word for knowledge in their heads instead of presence in their hearts. That's why they don't know about going from glory to glory. Show me a people that know how to go from glory to glory in their hearts. These are the ones eating their daily bread. They're more like children than adults. You enter the kingdom. What is adulthood? Jesus Christ at age 33? That was not considered an adult in Jewish society. That is still a mere child. You have seen Abraham and you're not even 70 years old, they exclaimed. Like, you had to be mature when you hit your 70s. 
That's what all the people said to him in the Bible. Now, maturity does not look like adulthood. Maturity, when the apostles were going around healing people, they said, be healed in the name of God's child, Jesus. Isn't that wild? That always messed me up. Be healed in the name of God's baby, Jesus. Child, be healed in the name of God's infant, Jesus. His child, his adolescent nature... That's what it means now. His adolescent nature is what heals you. Healing is the children's bread. Bread. (laughs) Which means the childlike nature of Jesus is bread and its presence and its freedom and its glory and its light and its life. So another gigantic fruit and evidence of someone who's eating their daily bread is the perfect childlikeness of Jesus formed in their personality. Oh yes, they're not grumpy. They're not serious all the time and angry and stern. They're joyful. They're free. They're exactly like Jesus. The Bible says, let the same attitude personality is what it says that's in Jesus Christ also be in you you know what that means totally fried out of your brain on the joy of the Lord I'm talking about light so strong through your hearts and minds you're just radiating the feeling of Jesus transfigured at the right hand of God that's the apostolic doctrine the commandment to have the same feeling, attitude, soul condition, state of being that's in Jesus Christ also in you. How? Eat the bread of his presence. It is 12, which means it comes down from heavenly Jerusalem. It comes directly out of the oven of the Father's heart. This bread is not just angel bread. This bread is God. This bread came out of the Father, went through the Son, and came down to us to eat as much as we want every day. As your appetite grows, you rise up each morning in a higher realm for a greater bread. And the closer you get to God, the hotter it is, the more steam there is, which is how much Shekinah, how much brightness is in today's bread. You know, bread was the main source of sustenance for the Jews in that day, bread and fish. Hallelujah. Well, you could say it's today, it's your your cereal, it's your breakfast, it's your eggs, it's your bacon. It's your orange juice. Oh, this is the one that'll get you. It's your coffee. That's right. It's your morning coffee. How high will you go up for a quality of coffee that comes from God? That's going to tempt some of you to resurrect a little higher. Amen. Now, God lures you in that way. It's true. God sets out traps. You know, we say the enemy is tempting you to do this. Well, God's temptations are greater to seize you. Like, how about eternal glory? Maybe that's a temptation for you. Like a a greater peace. Amen. How about a, a favor so strong that even your enemies bless you? 
Amen? Going after all these promises because they're all in Christ Jesus. God has put his promises out like holy temptations to tempt you. <clears throat> Why? Those who seek God must believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Which means believing for rewards. That it's not just pain and suffering, persecution, misunderstanding, it's so hard. No, it's like, oh my gosh, the glory is so strong, it's made me forget any suffering I've ever had in my entire life. In fact, most of the time, you can't even remember a negative thing ever happened to you. When you're in light that strong, you're in the rewards of seeking Him. <clears throat> Amen! It's like mountaintop of the mountain of transfiguration every day. You know, God wants to, you to live on the mountaintops. I don't believe Elijah always lived on the mountaintops, but the Bible says when he matured in the prophetic, he always lived on the mountaintops. Which means when you're younger in the Lord, you're down there in the valley of the shadow of death. You're clinging to the Bible and Chandra Vakundri every day to deal with all the traps of the enemy and temptations of the, the wicked spirits and death everywhere and rebellion. And so you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. When you learn about the mountain, it's to remain there. The mountaintop is likened to that Revelation 14, 14 being seated on the cloud. You know what the gold crown is? Knowing how to sustain that elevation all the time. That's what the crown is. Now the Bible says only those who learn how to sustain the mountaintop glory cloud will ever have the sharp sickle, which means there's no real harvest until you're rock solid in mountaintop living. Now I know there's hardly any that know how to live in the mountaintops consistently in these days, but as we do, it will whiten their heads for harvest. Where do you think they're going to be harvested to? Right into the swamp, right into the sand, into snake pits, around the vultures. They'll be harvested out of the sands of time onto the mountain of eternity. When you swing the sickle by being fortified in the glory called the knowledge of the glory that covers your earth like a sea, the baptism of glory, and you understand how it works, that's the gold crown. It's always updated and upgraded from glory to glory, which means how God works through you, through the bread of his presence, of his glory, and the might of him being with you, even with angel armies. You learn how to bring them up the mountain. That's the sickle. It's a harvest sickle of a people that know how to live on the mountaintop cloud. They can't even see the gold crown you're wearing. Most of them don't even understand anything. But the presence comes down the mountain. The fire comes down the mountain. The glory flows like a river down Mount Zion. Amen. There's a river flowing in heaven that flows through the heavens into the earth. And you are to be the mediator of the Ezekiel 47 temples of the river of his glory. And as it comes out of the temple, the Bible says the fish will then swim in the glory and they come into the temple which has come upon the holy mountain. What does that mean? Now your bodies are being used on the mountain to release the glory. And as it flows through you, you're purified constantly. Keep eating your daily bread. You'll go from elevation to elevation on the mountain of the Lord and you'll remain there. 
You'll never come down. You'll be tempted to come down. They'll start throwing sticks and stones at you. They'll start trying to manipulate you. I mean, the devil is such a liar. He is lying to you about everything. Every little crook and cranny and place where you have your armor's not fortified to look like the battle regalia of the Ancient of Days, he'll try to wiggle his way in there through lies, temptations, distractions, some kind of temporal worthless thing to get your mind focused on things below to not ascend the mountain into a greater glory. Oftentimes, after we're done getting distracted and tricked by the devil, we get such a fortitude in us that I won't budge for nothing. It's like a Holy Ghost glory stubbornness. That's the kind of stubbornness we want, like God the Father who never changes. That's as stubborn as it gets. I am the Lord and I never change. We're changing for more of the Lord that's unchanging, undimmable, no repentance of turning, no darkness at all. That level of light and that light is in the daily bread and that light transfigures and renews your mind how to maintain that light you'll forget we'll go i mean i can just tell you from experience there'll be years of eating the daily bread and since i don't eat it mostly to profit the flesh because it's not like i'm perfect or anything i'm learning all this stuff like all y'all every day too you just learn how to eat and maintain elevations. Otherwise, the devil just eats you up. And it's just hard knocks and it's terrible until we learn to use the resources from God and be totally fortified. Completely impenetrable light. That's what God dwells in. What level of presence does it take to dwell in the same impenetrable light that God the Father dwells in according to Scripture? tells me we need to be eating more of the daily bread until you are dwelling in inapproachable, unpenetrable light. Amen. The Bible says you're the children of light. Walk in the light and put on the armor of light. What's the word light there in Hebrew? Shekinah. Put on the Shekinah. Eat the bread of Shekinah. Drink the wine of Shekinah. The Bible says in Psalms, you can go wild in Shekinah. The Bible says in another place, everyone in his temple, which means once you become a temple of his presence, you're learning how to do the basic discipleship things. Everyone in his temple, which is his body, shouts glory, Shekinah, continuously. Shekinah, continuously. That's what we're shouting. Why? Because that's what we're experiencing. The angels shout holy, but the Bible says the saints shout Shekinah. Yes, because the bread of his presence, of his glory, keeps getting richer. The riches of the presence of his glory of Shekinah. Now, this is how we wear the white garments. Now, you can start to see it now. The bread gets so strong and it's just total white out. Now, you live in those realms. They shall walk with me in white. What is the white? Shekinah. White throne, judgment seat of Christ. Why a white throne? Because it's the throne of glory. It's the throne of Shekinah. Yes, it's the throne of all the light of God. 
and in his light we see light and this light comes down and at first illuminates our hearts and minds to understand how to walk in lights now if god is light we better understand light jesus was speaking to a people who thought the darkness in them was light so the enemy comes as an angel of light to deceive so not all light is is god the bible says one third of the lights of heaven fell how they still manage to appear as light Trust me, the only way they can do that is if you're not walking in very much Shekinah. You have to test them all the time. When you're dim from a lack of daily bread, their light actually looks like more light than you as born-again believers. So people are following lights brighter than them that are devils, the Bible says. You know it's true. Why? They can follow all kinds of strange fire. Fire is a light. There are rivers from Satan and hell that appear to be God in heaven. Satan even has counterfeited the river of life as a river of false fire. The Bible tells you that out of the mouth of the red dragon proceeded a river. Well, you're drinking that one. Guess which kind of light you're going to be in. Luciferian light ain't going to be Christian light. And you'll know them by their fruit. One will make you entirely self-centered in covetousness. Covetous. It will. It'll be all self-righteous light. They stick out like sore thumbs around real disciples. So it gets easier and easier to discern the false, especially with your burning in a group where two or three are gathered in my nature. There I am in the midst of the presence of them. So when God's nature is really focused and digested and walked in by a group of disciples they these types of goats and tares and wolves and sheep clothing they can't exist they come to the surface they can be converted too you can slaughter goats so that even older prodigal sons can have fun with their friends and we need to because the goat represents pride and that's something that the daily bread deals with If you don't eat the daily bread of the Father's perfect humility, by default, for a lack of eating, you will get into pride. Pride is the blindness as a result of not eating daily bread. It deceives the whole world. Anyone who's not a daily feaster of Jesus Christ's fresh bread. This bread fresh every morning, guys. But if you're not eating it and doing it, it's not just enough to eat it. You must become a doer of the word and not just a hearer. When you begin to do it, it emanates through your bodies. That's the only way for the bread of his presence to come on the outside of your flesh. That if your flesh is cooperating with the word and the will of the daily bread. Now it starts to come out your hands, your heads, your bones, your marrow. Your whole body begins to live in the presence. Your body becomes, what is it? This is the bread of the new covenant. This is the, the bread of my body. There is the bread of the presence of the body of Christ. How does the flesh become the bread of presence? How does the flesh become like the 12 loaves of the priesthood's bread to lead people into that gold table of the marriage supper of the Lamb and to feast with God face to face in heaven? It happens by a people that are not just eaters, but doers. 
God will ask you to do stuff. God has confirmed me and asked me to preach at Joel's bar every single year and confirmed it. What am I to do? He tells you. What is the energy of God's word for? He'll tell you. I tell you the truth. 11 out of 12 sons of God, it's for marketplace. 11 out of 12 feasters, it's for conquering business, marketplace, finances, and the world. Blessed are you who conquer, what does the Bible say? Nine times, the world. Only one out of 12 are Levites, which means they'll use it for conquering full-time ministry stuff. Truth anyhow. You need to be full-time ministers of the bread of His presence in all your business. Amen. And God will make that clear to you also. He hasn't hidden these things. I know the good things I have in store for you, says the Lord. He's revealing them to you in the bread. The presence burns the vision up into your minds. And you begin to get holy vision. When I pour out my spirit through my word, how did he pour out his spirit in all flesh? Through the word of God. What was the word? Remain in Jerusalem. By a commandment, remain in Jerusalem until you receive my spirit from on high. A commandment, and when they obeyed the commandment, they got the presence. Every single increase of God's presence in your lives will come through obedience to the word that brought the presence. If you don't learn obedience, you'll never learn how to live in the presence. And only in the presence is their fullness of joy. No one else even has their glorified personality. It's just dormant down there because they have not yet begun doing the will of the Word of God. And I tell you what, this is how your lives get totally glorified. I'm talking about every day you wake up excited for the maximum fun and enjoyment you could ever imagine. If you're not living in that level of the thrill of God, you're not living in the awe of God or the fear of the Lord. That's what truly walking in the fear of the Lord is, is that every day you are absolutely enthralled with excitement by God's ability working itself out through you and you're cooperating with Him in anything He's asked you to do. That's how your life becomes awesome. Amen. So, all this stuff, like blockages, gets in the way. Laziness, opinions, stubbornness. These are the areas he's asking you to sacrifice so you can learn to walk with the Father in the coolness of the day, which means learn to have the best day of your life every day after eating your your daily feast. That's the whole function of it. It's not just to come down here and be workers. It's for maximum enjoyment. Why did Jesus obey the Father? Bible tells you, for the enjoyment set before Him. You understand that? You have to seek God for the rewards of enjoying Him. Otherwise, it's just religious garbage. And you begin to boast in your sufferings as if, you know, feel bad for me, look at how terrible people are treating me. It turns into religion real quick, unless the reward is for more fun with Dad in heaven. Unless the rewards are for having fun with dad in heaven, you're not hearing accurately. And there's a lot of people hearing from devils. (laughs) And there's a lot of people hearing from religious spirits. The Antichrist is totally in full-blown manifestation of falsehood in America right now. 
this generation is wrestling in all our society the Antichrist already. Already, guys. You've been dealing with it in spirit form. This thing is so deceptive that we need people to be wild feasters. Otherwise, you'll just be too malnourished in your spirit to even discern the spirit of Babylon and the spirit of Antichrist. It often comes as perfect Jesus. He'll even come looking like bread. Satan came and said, turn the stones into bread. So he came with the daily bread too. Most people can't tell the difference. Here's how you know the difference. If it crucifies your human nature, if it feeds your human nature, you just ate something out of the hand of Satan. Most do that. That's what children do when they're infants in Christ because they don't know any better. Kids will just eat crayons. They'll eat paste. They'll, they'll eat glue. Anything you put before them, they'll put it in their mouths, right? That's how kids are. Well, after you learn that you don't want to eat that because it's poison, you have a different diet. I'm only going to eat the good food that comes from Jesus Christ and not these 100,000 other false Jesuses peddled on every street corner trying to get me to eat all this other junk food. I'm going to eat good bread. Amen. So your diet gets better and better. You don't put the same things into your spirit that you used to. You don't put the same things into your soul. That's what being refined in fire is. You eat with someone, oh, they're refined. What are, what's refined? They eat differently. You have to refine your diet to grow in Christ. When we're infants in Christ, we don't even know what we're eating and drinking half the time. These people think they're eating solid food just by going to church on Sunday morning. Some of the greatest leaders, most popular, they're not great at all, but some of the biggest charismatic leaders right now are full-blown apostate. Fully leading people astray to the heavenly calling of the biggest charismatic ministries. They've lost their freaking minds and are under the entire sway of the Antichrist. And that's just how it is down there. It is ugly. But the path, the narrow way, is always good because it's Jesus, the same yesterday, today, forever. Which means you're going to have to overcome a lot of people that are put on pedestals in the charismatic church that have 10,000 followers. They all speak in tongues and they'll all have prophecy and all this junk. But I'm telling you now, if you're not going up into higher things, getting a refinement in your diet, you need to push that food aside. Look and evaluate your faith and judge it. The Bible says to look at the elevation of your own spirit. Then you can see the food you're eating into your spirit or not at all. Oftentimes it's soulish food. Strong meat is for strong spirits. Solid meat and wisdom for the mature. That's what the Bible says. There's a language spoken amongst the mature that infants in Christ can't speak and can't eat. But you need to be around it, absorbing the energy and the power of it, even if you don't understand it. Children these days need to be around the magi, the wise men. Why? Even if you don't understand the language of wisdom, the language spoken of the wise men from the East, you need to be absorbing the presence from the words of wisdom they speak that are costly words, wisdom more valuable than rubies, emeralds, and all gemstones, it is written. Because 
the, the light that will emanate from the wisdom that you haven't learned to speak will energize your spirit. There will be some stuff that you can digest, but it will strengthen you more than any other food down here. God has set apart Magi, the wise men from the East, to be the leaders during these times at the end of the Great Tribulation. That's where you're at right now. Where are we at? What's the times and the seasons in the anointing of the sons of Issachar? I'll tell you. You are at the end of the Great Tribulation, the end of the last days, where the wise men take over. Now, the false church down there hates the wise men. The Bible says of Herod, in the political system of the church of his first coming, that Herod went into a rage when he saw that the wise men outmaneuvered him. Angels came to him in a dream. Don't go back and report to Herod. Don't go back to Herod, they told him. So they left. They went departed back to their home country. Amen. When Herod found out that he was outwitted by the wise men, he went into a fury and killed all the children, which means the false religious Christian system out here that claims to be sent from God, claims to be prophetic and apostolic and pastors and all this junk, they will begin to harm the children and kill the children of God. Watch Rachel mourning for her children, for they are no more. That's why it's written, come out of her, my people. The very food, it's called in scripture, food sacrifice idols, which is idol for your spirit and just garbage witchcraft for your soul. It's like all the Antichrist principalities that have weaseled their way into Christianity, taking over earthly Christianity, and everyone will be terminated like Herod's children. Truth anyhow, the termination and the death will come that their spirit's no longer alive, and they're only in the light of the fallen angels, which is witchcraft. Which is, if you look around, why the true ones on the mountain are so extremely mistreated so extremely persecuted in America. It's just like night and day everywhere right now where the false in the sand and the true on the mountain. Yep. And the sand is ran by the Herod spirit and the pharisaical spirit. No true leader will be in the sand ever because the sand represents all the rebellion of humanity. You put your, your boots of burnished bronze on in the sands of time and then the first step you took was on the mountain. Yep, now you've walked up the mountain if you kept your shoes on. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Amen. And God is commanding you to go up higher. Higher in the mountain fire. As you go up higher, levels of your humanity that were never challenged below begin to be challenged. This is where you get offended this is where your covetousness, even your own DNA, like a worm to a caterpillar, the DNA is challenged, which means your culture is challenged. Your male or female, your Greek or Hebrew is challenged. <clears throat> your blood gets challenged. Ultimately, we came on this mountain for a blood transfusion. Yeah, the blood of Abel is a human being. Now in the blood of Christ, we have the blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What is that better word? 
Jesus Christ's transfigured Jewish messianic bloodline where the bread of heaven comes from. It's his very bloodline that brings us his bread. How do we know? Because the Bible says the blood speaks. And the blood is speaking not from earth, but from heaven because he ascended on high. Which means if you're listening and you are his sheep, you go up. If you're not listening and you got other voices, false Jesuses, false Holy Spirits, all kinds of earthly junk and distractions, all kinds of religious lies everywhere. If you're listening to that, you don't go up because the voice you're listening to has come through human beings and demons. Doctrines of men and doctrines of demons, they're called in the Bible, which is any voice that appears to be of the covenant religion, appears to be Christianity. If it's from below and not above, disqualified 100% of the time. We are the voice of heaven. Why? Because the God of heaven breathes through us when we eat his daily bread. My sheep hear my voice. Where is he speaking from? The realm of the seven lightnings and the realm of the seven thunders. When God spoke, what does the Bible say? It thundered. What's the evidence that people are eating the bread of heaven and not the false Christian bread of earth? They're growing in divinity, heavenly likeness, and repenting from humanity, earthliness. James, New Covenant Book of Proverbs, our book of wisdom in the New Testament, says that anyone who's earthly is demoniacal. Demoniacal, to be demon-like instead of Christ-like, is to be earthly. You know that? So the bread is above removing that which is below. Less demoniacal ministries worldwide international. Amen. (laughs) Which means less human. I have, to this very day, only found the demonic inside the human nature you don't have to look very far do you and it's not always like is there a horned beast in there growling at you it's is there darkness the realm of hell the realm of the demonic presence the the presence of a human being is the presence of the demon spirit trovinia so it's either human totally demonic in hell or christ totally angelic and heavenly and where we're deceived down here because we're not sanctified enough is that there's something in between and i'm working on it listen man that's just demons and death i mean you when you focus in on what it actually is it changes your priorities to deal with your own heart you see the urgency to circumcise your hearts as adults to get the adulthood of the human nature out as soon as possible because you're harboring Satan in your heart even if underneath your heart in your spirit is Jesus Christ and if you were to die today you fly away to heaven that's not good enough you need to circumcise your hearts and every part what does it mean to circumcise your hearts in the New Testament the covenant is a circumcision of heart not an external circumcision circumcision an internal circumcision of the inner man it means that the human heart which is your mind will and emotions are driven out for the holy spirit's mind will and emotions to rise in you you know what we deal with 
people that refuse to allow the Holy Spirit to take possession and control of their souls. This is like it's like pastoring cats. Everyone's a doer of their own thing, opinionated about everything, tons of knowledge with no wisdom everywhere, very little understanding of elevations of the mountain, mostly got outside and bewitched. So it's an absolute mess of just the human being getting into every table of demons pretty much to the maximum measure in this generation. What do you think the maturity of the times and the climax of the ages are? It's God and Satan. And if you read the Bible, there's a lot of satanic junk going on all around you. And that's coming to maturity too. We need to repent progressively with an urgency into Christ's divinity and be holy, as holy as you can see, so that your conscience is clean before God today. That's why we do not let the sun go down while we're still angry or murderous or prideful in our hearts. Not holding things in grudges, quick to forgive, quick to listen, slow to speak. For God and his favor is not pleased when a person practices an angry life. (laughs) God wants you to live at peace in your hearts with him with a clean conscience. So any area you're pricked, don't clothe it with anything. Allow the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to cut it out. And it might be painful. There's strongholds in people here today that would be painful to be removed right now. And you're making progress by even allowing the Word to come in and nudge at those areas, places where little foxes are still spoiling vineyards of the wine and the oil. What is the wine and the oil? It is the divine nature formed in your eternal spirit. The Bible says Satan can't touch the wine or the oil. Where the indestructible nature of Christ that cannot be killed a second time only dwells in the areas where your spirit man is maturing. Which means the soulish junk, the carnal junk, there's no armor there. You're open prey to Satan and his angels. We need to develop our spirit and grow in wine, grow in oil, which means constantly building up our spirit man to be strengthened in the word of God. And our spirit man begin to do the will of God, serving him with your whole heart. Amen. Which is spirit leads. But what is the leadership of your born again spirit? The bread of his presence represented in 12 which is the head of the body of Christ, the mouth of the body, the apostle Jesus Christ, and his brothers and sisters that are consecrated to be a mouthpiece of his word to build up the body in faith into the head. That's what scripture says, that everyone is to be built up into the head. What's the head? It means to be built up into the apostolic. Built up until you're living in the head of Christ. That's the rainbow zone. That's the sun zone. That's the realm of the overcomers. The headship of the body is where you need to go. Don't settle for anything lower. Some voices have told you you're just the foot, you're the toenail. You believe things that you are parts of the body. Listen, when you get into the body, let the blood of Jesus, the bloodstream, take you up. Scripture says you are to grow up into the head. 
If you just stay in the hand and you don't grow up into the head, you'll never grow up into the apostolic. Which means there is an enculturation for everyone to go up from glory to glory. He wants all of you apostolic. Anyone that says otherwise is a liar. He wants you all in the head. He wants you all in the eldership of the 24 elders, which is simply the maturity of the mind of Christ, that gold crown of the cloud of the King of glory. He wants you to be crowned over all your mind, left hemisphere, right hemisphere, down the center, filled with glory, understanding God's ways, eager to eat his bread, eager to do his will, knowing the rewards are awesome. That it's for a better life, a Zoe life, a river of his life, increasing God's quality of life. These are wonderful promises. He wants them all to come to pass. They can only happen if you go up into the head. As you go up into the head, guess what's dealt with? Your head. And that's where it usually gets extremely ugly. Because in people's heads is tons of strongholds, cultural junk, identification of idolatry of the natural man, the natural woman, education, financial fears, literally every single sin problem that you've ever practiced or any area of weakness you deal with in the head. That's why you grew up into the head because he has no weak spots and you learn to trust in his headship and your head gets less and less stubborn, less and less hard-headed. You know, we've heard of being soft-hearted I tell you the truth, you need to be soft in your mind to go up into his mind. If we're hard in our mind, we'll never grow, we'll live a human life. It's like what, you have a divine heart, but then your head and your body and your bones are just human and you're cursed. He doesn't want any curse to be kindled in that temple of the Holy Ghost. And he is dealing with you. And he's working out your salvation with fear and trembling every day. I'll give you the overall picture to rise up into a greater headship of Christ, to enjoy submitting to Christ in a major way, like a military person, like the centurion to Jesus. I'm a man under authority. So I understand the benefit of submitting to Messiah's authority. As soon as he put his centurion authority under the authority of Jesus, his daughter was instantly healed. Why? Because it's all about enjoying the headship. Remember, the whole curse of the fall is being removed from his headship. What's the reverse of the curse of the fall? Going back under his headship. If you look around the last 20 years, Christians hate it. Hate it. They want their own head on their own shoulders. They'll barely listen to their pastors. It's mentorship. It's suggestions. We don't have to do that. It's just whatever... I feel good interpreting through my own brain. You know what the Bible calls that? Witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Most Christian heads are totally filled with witchcraft and not the rainbow mind of Christ. So what we need is that rainbow lightning of that archangel, which I believe is Raphael in the book of Revelation, standing on the sun. You know what deals with all the curse of the fall and the mark of the beast in your forehead, which is all the stubbornness and disobedience you do with every unrenewed part of our minds? The fire of the sun. What part of you needs healing so desperately? Your brain. Well, the sun, S-U-N of righteousness, shall rise in your brain with healing in its beams. 
So your mind, instead of madness, has gladness. Instead of blackness, has crystal clear clarity. There is a place that you grew up into Christ where your whole skull is clear. And your face just reflects the fruits of the Spirit inside your heart constantly. And then out of the heart, the mouth just speaks the Word of God by the fruit of your lips without the curse of the sweat of your brow. The curse of the sweat of your brow is because we got hard-headed in the fall. Man had to till the soil. Now Jesus tilled the soil of our hearts by dying on the cross. Problem is, we barely let Him farm us. We're mostly filled with our own seed, which is the enemy. If we let him plow our hearts, the ox of God, he'll come as a man and sow the seed of his Father's will in our hearts. And we'll allow it to probably have about twofold. And then next year, maybe tenfold. We learn progressively to submit to the farming of God. What do you think a sickle is? It's a farm tool. A people that have allowed their hearts and minds to be farmed are the heads white for harvest no not even amongst the disciples lord honestly no not even amongst the remnant the heads are not even crystal clear amongst the champions and the dread champions that are called to be the sons of god yet and that's true which means we got a lot of cleaning up to do in our heads he wants to burn your eye sockets out he wants you to no longer have human eyes he no longer wants to even have the ability to lust with your eyes because Jesus literally sits right behind your eyeballs in the iris. If the eye be single, the body be full of Shekinah. The Shekinah won't sin because he's king of Shekinah. It's Jesus himself at the control center of the five senses. It drives it out. Sin came into the eyes in the Garden of Eden story, if you read the Bible. They looked at the was beautiful in appearance and they sinned with their eyes which means all the curse of the fall will come out your eyes as Jesus rises like a morning star in your hearts if it's not burning out of your eyes you ain't growing in Jesus straight up truth if your eyes are beginning to flash with the fire of sanctification if your eyes are beginning to burn with holy glory and with holiness that's the word making progress in your hearts. You'll project the very pearls of heavenly Jerusalem out your eyeballs when your minds get pure. Truth anyhow, you're a projector of light. Your body is a temple of light, but usually because of a lack of knowing him and sacrifice of self, it's full of darkness. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump, which means even if you got a great bunch of glory in your spirit, if your soul has mixture in it, you often can't project it onto the outside. You deal with those little foxes, we'll deal with them together, says the Lord. Which is dealing with the things that dim your glow. And don't talk to me about the mantle of humility, <clears throat> that brown cloak. I'm talking about totally glorified underneath the humility of the Lamb. You'll be so bright underneath there, Fellowship is being able to see the measure of glory in each other under the mantle of humility. If you can't see each other's hearts, it's because you're not living in your own heart right with God. You're still in your head out of planks and specks judging externally, which is antichrist. When we deal with all that religious antichrist and deal with our own heart, 
we recognize other true hearts. When you're a true disciple of the presence and his cross and his blood and his water and his spirit, and you're all about zeal for the Father's house and not your own, it's pretty easy to discern other disciples. Because you get around and there's an immediate intensity of the glory through the sacrifice of self. Cluster anointing. If any two are gathered in my nature, not Jesus just out here at Kumbaya land, but in the nature of Messiah, there I am manifest. That means so if any two are true disciples, it manifests Jesus in the midst of where they are. Amen. Which means anyone that's not manifesting in the midst, well, that means they're not in the name of Jesus. They're usually in their own name, or you look over their head and there's a list of other names that they're serving, which is the demon gods that they sin with. Truth anyhow, and he wants that list to go all the way down until you just have first love. You know, it sounds easy, but you'd be surprised. Most Christians have this huge list of other spirits that they're intimate with, and Holy Spirit's kind of like one of them on the list. It's true. Having no other gods besides me is the first commandment. Have we even obeyed that one yet? We're learning to. There are other influences in our life that burn that list down to one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Which means there's stuff sapping your strength. There's hooks in your heart. Usually false love, family idolatry, sexual morality, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of possessions, pride of knowledge, pride of education is one of the biggest ones. Boasting in what you know and not how much you glow, which is mean you're just totally lost and false Christians anyhow. Just garbage everywhere. Sin everywhere. You learn to protect your temple from sin everywhere. Jude says being saving them out of the fire but not having your garments stained. What kind of fire is Jude talking about? The fire of sexual morality. The fire of lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. The fire of the lust of false love and false Christian religion which is peddled on every street corner of the world right now. Trozenia. So how do we protect ourselves? Well, let's, let's read Jude. Glory. It's short. And this is a really good translation. The voice translation. Jude, a slave of Jesus, the anointed and a brother of James, to you, the one whom God our Father loves and has called and whom Jesus, the anointed one, has kept. Kindness, peace, love, May they never stop blooming in you and from you. Friends, I've been trying to write you about our common salvation, but these days my heart is troubled. (laughs) And I am compelled to write to you and encourage you to continue struggling for the faith that was entrusted to the saints once and for all. Vile men have slithered in among us. Depraved souls who stand condemned have made a mockery of the grace given to us, using it as a pretext for a life of excess lived without any thought of God. These poor fools 
have denied Jesus the Anointed, our one Lord and Master. You have heard the stories many times, and the Spirit has enlightened you about their meaning. But you still need to be reminded. Remember when the Lord saved our ancestors from the land of Egypt. He breathed life into their earthen lungs and took back the life from those who did not believe. And God has kept the rebellious heavenly messengers bound and chained in utter darkness, shadowy gloom, until the time when his judgment arrives, because they failed to keep their rightful positions and abandoned their appointed realms. Sodom and Gomorrah and all their neighbors were defeated by their own sexual perversions as they pursued the strange and unnatural impulses of the flesh. Let these who went their own way and are experiencing the eternal heat of God's vengeance, a punishment by fire, be a warning to you. These stories are examples to help you understand the fate of those dreamers who have slipped in and defiled your community, rejected those in charge, and insulted the glorious majesty of the heavenly messengers, even their chief Michael, when disputing with the devil over Moses' body, did not offer his own taunting judgment against him. Michael simply said, May the Lord's rebuke fall on you. Amen. The deceivers among you despise what they do not understand. You deal with it every day. The deceivers among you despise what they do not understand. No childlike awe for the meat that they can't digest yet. Just despising it. That's the definition of being a deceiving demon. (laughs) They live without reason like animals, reacting only with primal instincts, and their ways are corrupting them. Woe to these deceivers! They are doomed! They have followed in the footsteps of their father Cain, sold their souls for profit into Balaam's deceit, and suffered the devastation of Korah's rebellion. These men are cold stones on the warm hearth of your love feasts as they glut themselves without fear, thinking only of their own benefit. They are waterless clouds carried away by the wind, autumn's lonely and barren trees, twice dead, uprooted, violent waves of the sea, breaking over the bow, foaming with shame, lost and wandering stars, destined to live forever in gloomy darkness. During the seventh generation after Adam, the prophet Enoch said, Look, the Lord came, and with him tens of thousands of his holy messengers to judge wicked men and convict the impious and ungodly for all they have said and all the hard things they have done against the Holy One. These men are complainers, who look long and hard to find the faults of other men. They are led by their own lustful desires, like fools, down to the path of destruction. They are arrogant liars, who want only to get ahead of others. But you, friends, remember the words of the emissaries of our Lord Jesus the Anointed, the liberating King. At the end time, some will ridicule the faithful and follow their lusts to the grave. These are the men among you who divide friends, those concerned ultimately 
with this world those without the Holy Spirit. You, however, should stand firm in the love of God, constructing a life within the Holy Faith, praying the Spirit's prayer as you wait eagerly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed, which leads to eternal life. Keep being kind to those who waver in this faith. Pursue those who are singed by the flames of God's wrath and bring them safely to Him. Show mercy to others with fear, despising every garment soiled by the weakness of human flesh. Let me say that again. Despising every garment soiled by the weakness of human flesh. Now, to the one who can keep you upright and plant you firmly in his presence, walking amongst the twelve loaves of God the Father's heart. Come on, clean, unmarked, joyful, in the light of his glory, to the one and only God, our Savior, through Jesus, the Anointed, our Lord, be glory, greatness, might, authority, just as it has been since he created time. May it continue now and into eternity. Amen! Bless you guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs>